Hello, this is OO Living, and I want to present to you this sermon podcast from God Centered Christian Network. My goal for this message is to bring you to the very to the very heart of Christianity. Namely the glory of God. Why do I say that the glory of God is the very heart of the Christian faith? Well, my answer to this question is that what makes one a Christian leads to the ultimate goal of God being glorified. That's my main point in this message. Let's pray. Father, we come to your word because we want to know you and we want to know your truth. So, Father, as we open it, Lord, we pray that you grant that you open the eyes of our hearts to see wondrous things in your word. Father, we resist the devil and his blinding walk over our hearts, not to see your truth. Lord, we pray that you help us see how justification and your glory link together in your great purpose in the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. A question I want us to consider as we begin is, why is there even a need for God to justify us by grace? My, my message title is Justification and the Glory of God. Back to my question, why is there even a need for God to justify us by grace? And the answer is because apart from this grace, every human being in every human being is spiritually dead in sin, according to Paul in Ephesians 2, verse 3. In Ephesians 2, verse 5, and is under the just and holy wrath of God because of our sin. We are spiritually dead and legally guilty before God. So if any of us will pass from death to life and enjoy the pleasures at God's right hand forever, God himself will have to raise us from spiritual death and provide a way for his wrath to be absorbed and his heart to be 100% for us, despite our sins. So God in his great mercy sent Christ to bear us our punishment and become our righteousness. For for some months now I've been expositing through the book of Philippians and the part I am in is it's where Paul actually is talking about uh, the the righteousness that comes from faith alone. Uh, I mean chapter three. Christ alone is our all rat removing sacrifice and Christ alone is our justifying righteousness. That is what Paul actually is driving at in Philippians chapter 3. But since we are spiritually dead and unable to believe in any of that, grace alone with no contribution at all from any spiritual corpse 
That is what we are. We are spiritual cops. We are not responsive to God. We are blind. We do not see. So we are we are spiritual corpse. We are dead in our sins. Now, but God, through grace alone, raised us from the dead and gave us the gift of faith. Ephesians 2, 5 and 8 says, Even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. This is actually the foundation of the Protestant Reformation more than 500 years ago. The, re- the, the Protestant Reformation was a controversy with the Roman Catholic Church over how helpless we really in our deadness and guilt and therefore it was a controversy over what it took to give us life and and to turn and turn the hearts of God from wrath to be 100% for us and the answer of the of the reformers was that only grace could raise us from the dead and only Christ could become our punishment and our perfection and these two miracles of life from the dead and wrath removed could only be received as a gift through faith, not merited or end, also that the entire transaction could be could lead ultimately to the glory of God alone. So let us turn our focus now to this ultimate reality, the glory of God, and try to answer four questions because there are four questions that needs to be answered number one what is the glory of god number two why is it the goal of everything number three how is god glorified most fully by his justified people number four if god alone gets the glory what about our glorification let us start with the first question what is the glory of god isaiah 6 3 says holy Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Did you notice how the seraphims shifts from the holiness of God to the, to the glory of God? From this text, we can say that when the holiness of God radiates out and fills the earth for people to see, it is called glory. The basic meaning of holy is separated. To be holy means to be separated from the common. So when you carry the defi- this definition of uh, all the way to the infinite separation of God from all that is common, that is from the creation, from the creation, from everything that is not God, the effect is to see him as the infinite one of a kind, like the rarest and most perfect gem in the world. What makes a thing so valuable is is its rareness. So God's uniqueness as the only God, 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 God's uniqueness as, as the only God that there is, his godness makes him infinitely valuable, that is holy. 
The holiness of God is the value of God. The holiness of God is the worth of God. And from cover to cover, the great dominating reality of the Bible is that this infinite value, this infinitely pure and beautiful divine uniqueness, uniqueness, this godness, shine forth through creation and through all the acts of God in history and in redemption as the glory of God. That is, the outward display of the intrinsic worth and beauty and majesty of his manifold perfections. That is what the holiness of God is. So when you talk about holiness, when you say God is holy, you're actually talking about God's intrinsic value. What makes him God? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It starts with holy, but it ends with glory because the holiness of God is the glory of God concealed. Why the glory of God is the holiness of God revealed. That's how it works. So when God presents himself, you know, the Bible actually says that God is unapproachable because of his holiness. His holiness is his light. It's unapproachable. You cannot penetrate it. Sin cannot near it. It gets burnt. So when this glory, I mean, when this holiness shines forth for me to experience it, when this holiness shines forth for me to experience it, that holiness is the glory of God. Now, I, I refer to the display of the beauty of his manifold perfection because the Bible can speak of the glory of God as God's might or the glory of God's grace. And it can simply speak of the glory of God. So, I take the glory of God to be the display of the intrinsic worth and, and, and beauty and, and greatness of his manifold perfections. Every attribute of God is a facet in the diamond that is the glory of God. If God lost any of his attributes, he would be less glorious. Indeed, he will not be God. So, the, now, so when I speak of the glory of God, I'm not treating it as something God possesses. No, no. Like that is different from himself. As if I speak of God's house or God's city. No, no, no. God's glory is the display of the worth and the beauty and the greatness and majesty of God himself. The godness of God manifests to be spiritually seen and savored and shown by his redeemed people. The glory of God is the whole attribute of God. On display. So when I speak of the glory of God, I'm not saying uh, it's it's another thing God possesses. No. The glory of the glory of God is the display, the exhibition of God's godness. Here's how Jonathan Edwards put it about three hundred years ago. He said, all that is ever spoken of in scripture as an ultimate end of God's work 
is included in that one phrase, the glory of God. The refulgence shines upon and into the creature and is reflected back to, to the luminary. The bounds of glory come from God and are something of God and are re- refunded back again to their original. So that the whole is of God and in God and to God and God is the beginning, the middle and the end in this affair. That is the glory of God. Now we can move on into our second question. Why is the glory of God the goal of everything? And the answer is that God wants it to be so. God has always wanted it that way. This was his plan from eternity. This was his purpose and design in creation and in all of history and in all of the work of redemption. God created, sustains, governs and saves in such a way as to reveal his glory. That is his goal. That is the ultimate reason why everything exists. Everything exists for the glory of God. It all begins with the purpose in creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens proclaim, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The sky display his craftsmanship. That is why they are for. Then when the Bible speaks about human being, Isaiah chapter 43, 6-7 says, Bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim to be, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It is, it is, it was I who created them. Now notice, for I have made them for my glory. Then this purpose in creation extends to everything God does. Beginning with Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, will bring praise and glory to God. Are you seeing seeing the purpose? We see the purpose in the phrase, would bring. That is the end. That is the ultimate end. That is why God does all he does, why he redeemed us. So the central story in everything he does is the story of redemption. And Paul tells us everything God does is to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he chose mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 9 verse 23. Let me take it again. To make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who we are prepared advance for glory, for his glory. 
and Romans Romans 15 8 to 9 says Christ became a servant so that so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. Romans 15 7 says Christ has accepted you so that God will be giving glory. Are you saying God does this for this? God does this for this world. God planned all creation, all history, all redemption for his glory. And least it not be obvious, Isaiah quote God himself that it is it is all ultimately to his glory alone. Isaiah 2 verse 11 says, Human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. Isaiah 42 verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with curved idols. This universe and everything in it is mainly about the glory of God. And you need to come in terms with that. This is the great reason for all created existence, including yours. You exist for the glory of God. That is why everything exists. So what makes justification such a glorious reality is because it is about the glory of God. God created and sustained and governs and justified the ungodly for his glory alone. This leads us to the third question. How is God glorified most fully by his justified people? There is a philosophy of life believed at God-centered Christian network. We call it God-centricalism. It is a new name for old doctrines. It means we believe that the answer to how we bring greatest glory to God is to join God in his God-centeredness. That is, join God in his passion for his glory. And I believe and I believe that the pastors and theologians who wrote the great summary of Reformation teaching in the Westminster Catechism were giving expression to their God-centeredness as well as when they said, Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. They did not just say that our goal is to glorify God, but in glorifying God and enjoying Him. And they did not call glorifying and enjoying two ends, but one singular end. Man's chief end, chief end, end, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The descent seems that what Paul said in Philippians 1.20, that the way Christ will be most magnified in Paul's death, most honored in, in Paul's death, would be for Paul to be, to be most satisfied in Christ while dying. Christ's glory, his supreme worth and value, will be most plain when Paul says, Dying is even better. When God planned in eternity to justify the ungodly the way he did, so that God himself would be glorified, he did not mean for us to find the glory of God boring. 
God is not boring. It did not mean that his words, his, his majesty will be boring. But for us to find it all satisfying, the source of our ultimate happiness. And this is not because our happiness is the ultimate value in the universe. But because the ultimate value in the universe, the all-glorious God, is shown to be the supreme treasure when he becomes the supreme pleasure of his people. To cite Jonathan Edward once more, God is glorified not only by his glory, by his glories being seen, but by its being rejoiced in. God is glorified not only by his glories being seen, but by it being rejoiced in, glorified, rejoiced in. When those that see it delight in it, God is more glorified than if they only see it. When God justified sinners, when he justifies sinners by grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, through faith alone, his aim was to open to us the way of life. And where does the way of life lead? Psalm 16.11 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. <laughs> In the end, God's glory and our joy runs together from everlasting fullness. Let me answer the last question and I'll close. Number four, if God alone gets the glory, what about our glorification? The biblical answer is that when we say to God alone, be glory, we should mean whatever glory is shared with man is a glory that calls attention ultimately to the source and the end of all things, the glory of God alone. The Bible is stunningly clear that the children of God will be glorified with the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We see and we become. We behold the glory of God and we become changed into that glorious image. 1 John, 1 John 3.2 says, Dear friend, we are already God's children, but He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we, we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. We will be like Him because we are seen. Romans 8.30 Having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, that is righteousness, that is justification. And having given 
them right standing. He gave them his glory. He gave them his glory. Why is God so intent on making us glorious with his own glory? That is that is a question I ask. The reason for this is not hard to see. Jesus said his aim for us is that his joy, his divine joy, might be in us and our joy might be full. But we can swim in the ocean of God's joy with our unglorified soul. That is, when we are dead in our sins. We are dead, we cannot see God. And the the, the thing about being glorious is to see glory. And we are dead, our, our eyes are blinded by the devil. We don't see, we are, we are spiritually blind. And so we need God to speak to our hearts. Let there be light, so that there will be light in our hearts and we will see. That's why the psalmist always pray that God should open his eyes to see wondrous things. Because what we see, that is what we behold. What we see is what we become. You cannot put an all-glorious joy in an inglorious people. So we, we will be glorified because it is the only way we can be fully satisfied in God. So that God alone will be fully glorified in us. That is what God is, is doing. We are glorified so that we will be satisfied in God. We are glorified with the glory of God so that in the end we will be satisfied in the glory of God to the glory of God. I hope you feel drawn to Jesus. To embrace him by faith because all of you will trust him no matter how sinful you have been. Have been justified by grace alone with no merited favor whatsoever. On the basis of Christ alone with no other sacrifice or righteousness as the foundation. Through the means of faith alone not including any human works whatsoever to the end that you might enjoy God alone as the supreme treasure of your life and to display that all glory belongs ultimately to God alone. 